Hello and welcome to the Middlesex County Cricket League podcast. My name's Dan Huff from Twickenham CC. It's been a little while since we did a version of the pod, but we're back and we're back in what I think is now season four. So to kick things off, we've sort of gone back to core principles and I'm really pleased to be able to talk to the two guys who really helped push the pod forward through thick and thin over each and every one of our episodes. And that's Eugene Berger from Twickenham, like myself, and Salman Ali from North London. So the plan of attack is to talk a little bit about what happened at the AGM, a little bit about some of the discussion points. Plus, we're going to touch on a few broader things that have been going on in the world of cricket, the world of Middlesex, and also in the, in the world of the guys who are talking on this pod. So first up, are you well? Are you keeping fighting fit? I am, thanks, Dan. And uh, yeah, great to be back on. I'm wishing the summer months to come quicker than they, they anticipate, well, usually are anyway. And I suppose the main reason behind that is I don't really want to watch South Africa lose to the Australians anymore. And I'd like to watch uh, some ashes. But yeah, so my, my, my winter months have been wished away, hoping for better days in the summer. Well, I do remember you telling me once that you really in the period in December and January, because it's basically cricket every single day. And it isn't it. You can look around the world and you can see New Zealand, playing in Pakistan and that those games always go five days and then you've got South Africa in Austra- Australia. Well, that, that went, what? It went longer than five days. hours, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's going to improve. I'm trying to work out a diplomatic question on this one. But, uh, will things be better yeah. tomorrow when they start again? Yeah. Most definitely. The BBL's on, so I'll be watching that instead of South Africa lose to Australia <laughs> again. And in actual fact, I think the BBL game might be longer than the test match. But uh, oh. yeah, look. As I said, I do enjoy this time of year. You get to watch a lot of cricket all around the world. It'd be great to go and, go and follow the sun as some of the English fans do, which is which would always be great. But yeah, from my perspective, it's good to be in front of the telly with a hot cup of tea and or coffee, depending on if it's day or night. Good. So you do like to braai on Christmas Day, don't you? No matter whether it's forty degrees outside or minus five. Did you manage to to carry on that tradition in twenty twenty two? I've broken the tradition. I actually went to a friend's oh house. Oh my goodness, so, like, I can't believe you're saying this. I would never have asked the question I if I thought that was going to be the answer. Wow. No, it's, it's broken. It's done. So yeah, I think it's what, 12 or 13 years of doing it. So yeah, I mean, all good things must come to an end. And that's obviously one of them. You should become British. I'm drinking tea. I never tea, thought I'd find you know, myself saying. Watching, drinking watching tea football. Watching football. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow. Well, moving quickly on, this could get very deep. Talking of football, well, Sal, and you're going to have to bear with me on this, but I'm going to have to ask it. Things going okay football-wise, Sal? Yeah, first of all, Happy New Year to you too. Good to <laughs> back on again. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, it is. I want to touch some wood down in front of me because I'm probably the most pessimistic fan you'll meet. So even though we you are... You can't be pessimistic about Arsenal now, please. It's, that's impossible, surely. I know, but I always look at the negatives and what could go wrong and what could happen after that. So at the moment, yeah, fantastic sort of start to the season. I was a bit worried what would happen after the World Cup, but... We- Come back looking strong. Tomorrow's a massive game. We've got some big games coming up in the next two or three Tomorrow weeks. being who, who are Arsenal playing tomorrow? And Newcastle at home. Oh, um, oh that is an interesting one. Yeah. I think currently in third place, and we have Spurs in two weeks' time, then United. So three, three big games coming up. I know it's not a football podcast, but yeah, I mean, it's going well. I'm excited to see how the season goes out. But as I said, my, my, my thoughts were if we get Champions League, I'll be happy. So anything else with a bonus? I love that though. An Arsenal fan who've had a phenomenal year is pessimistic. I've watched Shrewsbury Town three times over the Christmas period and we were battered three times. We've been abysmal. And yeah, I'm still looking forward to the weekend. We've got an FA Cup game against Sunderland. It just goes to show, doesn't it, that sometimes classes can be half full and half empty in ways you don't expect. One other thing before we get on to county league business, huge. Now, you're not going to be playing every game in 2023 for Twickenham, right? I think I've got this right in saying you're going to be missing seven, which is most unlike you, because as people will know, you'll play every day of the week. But 
there is a reasonably good reason why you're missing seven games. Would you care to enlighten us? Yeah, so I suppose my first Take time a deep in a very long time. Could... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's my first time for missing cricket games in a long time. But yeah, I'm going to be doing something in collaboration with a charity called the Lord's Taverners, of which I'm sure a lot of cricket fans will know. I'm going to be walking the ashes. Effectively, what that means is in between the It's a lovely phrase, games, by the way. It's a lovely phrase. I yeah, love that. Yeah. In between the games, I'm going to be walking from ground to ground. So we're starting off at the Lord's Taverners HQ, which is in Chancery Lane in London. And obviously, for those of you that know where the Ashes are, first game's in Birmingham at Edgbaston. So the best part of a 120-mile walk, we'll be doing that over five days. I say we, because there, there will be three of us, myself, Simon Roberts, and John O'Gordon, who are undertaking this great task with me. And yeah, so effectively, it's basically walking between the grounds, in between the breaks, between the games. Now, for those eagle-eyed listeners, you'll know that from Lords to the Heading League game, there's a three-day break. And for those that are half-decent at geography, you'll know that there's a fair distance between London. Exactly, yeah. So, But that's the one That's the one walk we're actually not going to be walking all of the distance together. We're going to be doing a, a relay. So I'll be walking 20 miles. Simon will be walking 20 miles. Jono will be walking 20 miles. We'll then rest and then the next day wake up at two in the morning and off we go again sort of thing. So... Yeah, I think it's it's a great cause. They do some great stuff for underprivileged and disadvantaged children. So it's a great cause to get involved in and look out for, watch the space for, for more announcements to come out in the next couple of weeks. It sounds phenomenal, you. I've got so many questions about it, to be honest. But just one, have you got the route sorted already? Because I get you, you can't just wake up in the morning and see where the fancy takes you. You're definitely going to be planning exactly where you're going, right? Yeah, we have. Obviously, we're not going to be walking down the M1, so we do have to find different routes. No, probably a good um, idea. Yep. Yeah, so we're working alongside a couple of teams at the moment to try and figure out the best route. One, to make sure that it's it's accessible to other people, because I think one of the important things is we want to try and get as many people involved and to come and join us. So if you remember the, the movie called Forrest Gump, when he was running down the road and eventually had a whole bunch of people running with him, we'd like to be doing that with people walking with us. So we want groups of people to come and walk with us and support the charity and get involved. So yeah, hopefully come the end of July. Um, first of all, I would have uh, lost a bit of weight, which would be quite nice. Um, but yeah, more importantly, raised a, a, a bit of money for the charity. Sounds phenomenal, mate. I mean, the, the one, one piece of advice I would give it as somebody runs a little bit is get the footwear sorted. I don't know what that means for walking, but I certainly know that if I try and do any running in shoes that aren't right, then the running doesn't last long. So I'm sure it's an obvious point, but, but the footwear issue needs to be, uh, needs to be nailed down, nailed down. Early, uh, we were actually booked like, we'll to go and see this. some. Yeah, we've actually got some feet specialists that we're going to go and see next week. So we're going to get fitted out for insoles and shoes and all of that sort of stuff, because that was the first thing that we were advised is, you know what, your feet are quite important when you're going to be walking the best part of 500 miles. So, yeah. That's very sensible to me. And we'll know that we're talking about this as you go on and then in the run up to it, because I think it's a great, it's a great thing to be doing. And of course, cricket has a long tradition of, of people going on walks. I remember Ian Botham going on loads and loads of walks once. He got to the end of his first-class career. So who knows? Maybe you've got a beefy turn up next year if things go well. But, uh, that would be amazing. Let's see if that could be wangled somehow. Cool. A bit closer to home. We're not going to go through every single thing that happened at the AGM in December. It was on the 13th of December, just before Christmas. But AGMs are, on the one hand, they're, they're, I think they are, they are really important events because the clubs come together, people who play in clubs come together and it's their opportunity to have a very clear say about the way their clubs and their leagues are run. But I'm sure most of our listeners will know, understand what I'm saying in that I think at Twickenham, we've got around 900 people 
No, probably more than that now. Maybe over a thousand people who are on my email list when I talk about anything that the whole club needs to know about. And I sent an email about our club AGM huge a couple of weeks ago, maybe. Yeah. Something like that. And how many of those thousand are going to turn up at the AGM? I'm guessing 30. And I'm guessing that Eugene and I could probably name check all 30 before the event even started. So the vast majority of people don't engage with AGMs. Well, the County League AGM is a bit different because every club has to go. And it was a particularly challenging time to be trying to go. The weather wasn't great. It was a rail strike. It was at a venue quite a few people didn't know. So it wasn't easy to go. But nonetheless, there's still a real push for clubs to attend these these events so it is an opportunity for well over 100 people to come together and who care about middlesex cricket and talk about anything they want to and the first point that i thought was quite interesting is i don't know how many clubs we've now got in the league i don't know if either of you guys know a number off the top of your heads doesn't really matter but the answer is lots no clubs not one club put any specific point forward to be discussed at the agm now that's not i'm not moaning about that but i think it's quite interesting there's so many things that people moan about during the season and yet no club put forward any specific talking points in the 2022 AGM. So my first comment would be, you know, perhaps clubs might want to think about doing that in the future just because it is their opportunity to have their say. That didn't mean there was nothing to talk about because there clearly is always plenty to talk about. And one of the things that I noticed from the minutes and from speaking to people who were there was about how long games are going on and what we might want to do about that. Now, this is not so much a problem at the top end of the league, although there are some games that do go on a pretty pretty damn long time, but it really is a problem towards the bottom of the league. And there's a discussion about what should be done about that, really. I mean, I'm convinced some games must have been finished in, in the darkness, Sal. The type 100 wides, 90 overs, it, it just struck me. It would have been impossible to have not imagined some games finishing in conditions that were probably not great. So what do we do about that, Sal? What do you make of that? These games are going on too long. Do we do anything or do we just keep saying to players, you need to up your game or what would your way forward be? I mean, suggestions put forward at the, at the meeting. I mean, this is around third tier cricket. So earlier starts maybe in regards to games taking too long to complete and also possibly reducing overs to 40 overs. So again, this is third tier cricket, which both are viable situations. It may, it may mean players playing less overs on a Saturday, um, but if it means uh, finish at a reasonable time, and they can enjoy the rest of the Saturday, then I can't see it being a big issue. Yeah, the ones we spoke about last year, which kept cropping up, was obviously in Division 6, I think it was, where we had this issue week in, week out of ridiculous wide counts. And I remember one game I think we spoke about in the pod, me getting home and sticking on YouTube, and there was a game still going on at half past eight, I think it was maybe. That is something that, again, I think is, it will continue to be an issue, I imagine, unless they think of some kind of solution. I can't give the exact solution. I mean... It's overs cricket they're playing that level, I think it is. In the bottom division yeah. of the first team was overs cricket all the way through the season. Yeah, there. and then so they're applying the strict wide rule for leg sides, I imagine, which hence is resulting in the wide count being so excessive that you get get away with that. And then does that change the whole dynamics of games where teams are bowling tactically at the end of matches in situations where games are uh, either way? It's a tricky one, but something... So I guess, I guess the idea would be below a certain point in the league, below a certain level, then rather than play 45 over cricket, you probably just go to 40. Is that what you're saying? I think that makes sense if they decide to do that. I mean, the proposal here says change overs. So change your overs cricket in divisions 5, 6 and 7. So I think 5 previously had timed in overs cricket. So now they're thinking about changing to that. But also will that also 
include reducing over as well. It's not been mentioned in the AGM and document I have in front of me in terms of the minutes. The other thing that's been put forward is, and I don't know how Paul's going to do this, he does enough amazing things on the league website as it is regarding figures and data and everything that he's played to after matches. But there was talk of maybe games without panel umpires, some kind of way to look at over rates. But again, I don't know how you monitor that. How do you, who's in charge of that? Deciding yeah, what is that over rate? We've got two sides with players umpiring games, maybe without no independent umpires. And how do you, how do you police that tricky one? But at I least they're looking and they're thinking of ways of doing things which are proactive for getting games played quicker. I think lowering the overs, I, my instinct is not for it. But then again, my instinct was not for playing 18 games of limited overs cricket. Why would the bottom divisions be different from the divisions up towards the top? But on the other hand, I think finishing in the dark it, it, is not ideal. So I think doing something to try and solve the problem makes sense. And divisions five, six and seven seem to be what we're talking about there. So maybe we could see how that goes. Again, we're not speaking for the league, to be crystal clear. These are just three blokes musing their own ideas. But in terms of start times, now I deliberately go to you, Sheer, because you grew up in a culture where you didn't start at midday in South Africa and Botswana, right? No, we started much earlier than that. Oh, look, it had to do with the light, obviously. The light went down a lot quicker yep. in South Africa and Botswana also than Africa. But... Yeah, from my perspective, wish we could start cricket earlier here. I don't see the, I don't see the reason not to. I've heard all of the reasons before about people saying, oh, they've got work, they've got this. Well, so do people in the evening. People got work in the evenings and stuff to get to. So it's, for me, starting earlier would make a massive difference. I don't think the cricket side of me is going, I prefer, I would prefer not to see reduced overs. I'd prefer to have an earlier start time. I suppose the other thing that you could start looking at is you actually have a, a dedicated or a scheduled finish time. And if that finish time is not adhered to, both teams are penalized, which gives the incentive to both teams to then finish on time. So hypothetically, you start 11, you have to be finished by 6.30, 6, whatever the time is that's chosen. If it's not finished by then, both teams are penalized. So from my perspective, there's no one reason or one one team that gets penalized at both of them so they both have an incentive to make sure that the team gets finished on time because every team will try and get the game finished on time or make sure that the game is finished in time so just a thought around I thought about scheduling the finish time yeah my my instinct is the earlier start times we're not talking nine o'clock talking 11 o'clock across the board for me personally i can imagine there's a lot of younger lads who would much rather start early and finish earlier and then be able to get away to events in the evening. Then are the old school folk might well have worked on Saturday mornings. But either way, I write the day off when I play cricket. So it, it doesn't really matter whether I leave the house at 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock. The, 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 the missus has long since resigned herself to the fact that I'm gone. And, and I, that wouldn't change no matter what the start time was, really. The finishing at the same time, uh, finishing at 6.30 and you get penalised thing. Well, I assume you'd mean that there wouldn't, this is in a game where there's no weather intervention, personally, right? Yeah, because if you lost half an hour, then you'd have to do something about that. And secondly, that there is, you you might be creating incentives for skullduggery where people find reasons that that the game was delayed in the middle. X got injured. That took twenty five minutes. Therefore, we're late. And I I can see scenarios where t both teams might have an incentive to say something like that to avoid getting penalised. Or am I just an old cynic? Yeah, I mean. There's no way of policing it because, as you say, umpires are, everybody is self-umpired down that way. But, you know, if personally, if I'm playing in a team like that, I would prefer not to lose points because there are eight other games or nine other games that are taking place at the same time that are going to have or not lose any points. So, yeah. again, just a thought. There's different ways of incentivizing teams to finish on time. 
for me, taking points away might be a way to to incentivize t- teams to finish on time and, and actually get through the overs. Yeah, I'm all for chucking the ideas in the box, Huge. You know, let's see where we go with them. And um, we've certainly got three there that we could think about having a set finish time, starting earlier, doing something about the number of overs that are actually played in the day. And we're not advocating any of them per se, but they are they are ones that would at least try and think about solving the problem rather than just saying players have got to do something different, which the definition of madness is doing the same thing time and time well, again, expecting a different yeah. outcome, right? So maybe Exactly. And the good thing, Dan, is we've got a, a fairly big listener base. Send in your questions and answers. What do you recommend? What do you guys think of? And we'll maybe try and air some of the questions in, in, in a yeah. couple of weeks' time when we do the next podcast. So let's try and get some listener interaction. Some comments. Drop us yeah. a message. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Cool. Now, moving on from that, there were other things discussed, Sal, at the AGM. Was there anything that you picked up? I mean, for me, that was the sort of main ones. I don't know if we mentioned here about first and second games, second 11 games played at the same home ground, which, I mean, I looked at that briefly. Do you want to go into more detail about that, Dan? Yeah, and I think, I I thought this is quite an interesting one. And when I read it, or or when I first heard about it, I thought, I don't really understand. What are they saying? What a Twickenham burst and fourths playing at the home ground and the twos, threes and fives are playing away. But I don't think it's that so much. I mean, there may be the odd club where there's an issue about, about that sort of thing. But, but I think the challenge is to try and make sure that setting team cricket doesn't fall off a cliff. I don't think it is falling off a cliff. But if setting team cricket really becomes way less important than first team cricket, then you'll have fewer players wanting to play it. So I think there may be a case, particularly if you're at, say, Vale Farm in Wembley, where would you demand that Swami Bappa 1s and 2s played on the best pitch at Vale Farm. I don't know what the best pitch is at Vale Farm, but just as, and I've made it up with Swami Bappa, so it might not be the right case, but w- would you demand that their 1s and 2s played on that pitch? Or would you much rather that Swami Bappa 1s played there and somebody else's 1s and so Swami Bappa 2s had to play somewhere else? Swami Bappa don't even have a 2s, do they? But what, clearly that was a rubbish case. Doesn't matter. You get the point. Should the league have a principle on that one? And if so, what the principle should be, and how far down should it go? Because I think we I understand the point about setting team cricket being way more important than people realise it is until it until it goes or until it becomes clear that it's nowhere near first team cricket. So I think we should try and make sure that strong cricket infrastructure in Middlesex really encourages good setting team cricket as well. I, mean, I don't think there's a major league-wide problem to be solved here, but it's clear that for some clubs, their setting teams don't play where their first teams do. And I guess there's a few people engaging on this one. I mean, it might be one of those just, just not really a massive talking point, but I do mm. think in, in some places where lots of teams use the same sorts of squares and Vale Farm struck, struck me as a really good example, then it might well be worth asking who should be playing on the best of those pitches. And I think you could quite easily find yourself getting into a bit of a tiz with that. But maybe you want to think about, and I know that it's one that has been occupying some clubs in the league more than others. Nothing was decided at the AGM, but at the spring meeting, this may come up as an issue again. So... No harm in thinking about it. And now I'd have thought, talking of Spring League and talking of the future, of course, we're now obviously in 2023 and the league fixtures are out. Paul Smith's done an excellent job of, of distributing those. They came out, I think I'm right in saying, on New Year's Day. Obviously, the fixture compute clearly hates Twickenham. We're used to this. We understand it because we start with, um, oh yeah, Teddington. So, so that's going to be a nice, fun a fun fixture to kick off. And local derby, being serious, local derby, always good. But uh, we'd always seem to meet Teddington really early. In the season. Any other games that caught your eye, Sal? Who have North London got for starters? We are playing Barnes away, I think it is, actually. I mean, I love the first week of fixture because it's that week where every club goes into their game thinking they're going to win the league, don't they? 
It's like the optimism's there. Everyone's had a good preseason. We've stuff. worked out by about three o'clock that it ain't happening to us. You're actually at home yeah. this time, though. Normally, you tend to play them away. Do So you're pretty solid at home. Your form's pretty good at home. So who knows, mate? You've got to be optimistic. Yeah, I always find this week the most intriguing one because, you know, everyone's so excited to be playing cricket again. So all the fixtures, when you look at them, are appealing in some way or another. But just looking at the premise itself, you've got Crouch and... Actually, I think Crouch and the Bush also played show last year. They all in the first game. So it seems there's a couple of games here where you've got... Um, sides who met last year repeating the same picture this year but still yeah as I said um, yeah, we're going to be away at Barnes which is not going to be an easy place to go to but really looking forward to keep season kicking into, into gear in 6th of May but yeah the fixtures are it's a real marathon game throughout all the divisions the thing that always sort of fascinates me is that we're going to spend like four and a half months five months fixating on that first fixture come on God, get ready for a new season we're starting against X we've got to be up for that one but Whoever you're playing second, third and fourth, they're largely irrelevant. And very soon you're playing them as well. But that first fixture takes on this sort of totemic importance, doesn't it? Because it's the first fixture. And it is a silly season. Daft results often happen on day one, but you don't know the daft at the time. It's only later in the season when you see that, you know, X got beat by Y and Y only won two games all year. You know, that that happens a lot because you you don't know. You You don't know what teams have done over the winter. You don't don't know what the pitch is going to be like. All the fun of the fair in that. Here's a question. Who's the last fixtures? Because remember, I mean, it came down. It always gets quite close to, you know, who beats who in the last fixtures to see who wins the league. So I know this is really early considering it's the 2nd of January and we're already looking at the fixture in September. But any interesting last yep. week fixtures? W- winner takes all, relegation stay up between Twickenham and Finchley. <laughs> I used to say that. <laughs> Car- I hope Carlos is not listening. I'll be in big trouble. <laughs> you won't want to be hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming, that one. I was feeling that would be uh, in there. Who have uh, you got last day, Sal? Do you know? We've got Richmond, actually. So I'm hoping oh. it could be some um, kind of promotion shootout or one of the clubs celebrating promotion already, which hope could be North London. But yeah, so we've got yeah. away. Um, right. Let's double check. What I'm... Oh, good actually, we're at home, home. Oh, okay. in the last game. So that would be an interesting one. But yeah, I was looking at Division 1 earlier on. Obviously, it's, it's my club involved and you got the two promoted sides playing each other again. So they played each other, I think, three times last year. Southgate, Harrowtown, and they meet again in the first week in May. I'm sure they'll be sick of sick each other. to death of each other, fair play. Yeah, they played in the cup final last year and they played in the league twice as well. So it's been well, like I'm really interested in Harrowtown in particular go. I mean, we'll get to this when we do our preseason pod in April, but, but they have had a fantastic two years and they're now getting into the realms, of course, of not just good cricket, but really good cricket. So I wouldn't necessarily bet against them doing badly there. I think they could well do quite well, but we will see, won't we, in due course. I agree on that, definitely. Cool. And one thing about the fixtures is that we've had we've had another division added. We now have eight divisions of first-team cricket in Middlesex. That means a Prem and divisions one to seven. And so you've been looking at one or two of the, uh, one or two of the names in there, one or two of the new teams that we've got in the league, right? Definitely. And just so to clarify that, it means now some Prem to Division 6. We've got uh, 10 sides and, or 10 clubs in each uh, division. So they'll play each other once, sorry, twice. With Division 7, you've actually got I think it is eight. eight. So yeah. again, I'm actually I'll probably play each other twice as well, I imagine, by the sounds of it or looks of it. Yeah, some interesting names, obviously keeping with the current sort of theme of the world that we live in now, the internet world is and etc. We've got the metadors. So I'm not sure if they're actually linked to the metaverse or So I read that and read it wrong first. I thought they were the Matadors. I thought they were gonna be the bullfighters, but no, you're right, it's Metadors, they isn't it? Guys who are sort of quite met during the lockdown, I don't know, maybe Facebook friends? Yeah, or well, that could be yeah. it. Something to do with that. It could be Mark Zuckerberg putting a team in. I mean, if they're if people with it, what could happen? And we've got the new Gladiators, again, a new club. I imagine they'll be based over Sunderland Way, judging by the name. 
Um, yeah, and you're not massively in Middlesex, right? <laughs> no, exactly. Whatever. And we welcome back the Ultimate Warriors, who I think was it two years ago they entered and they then they dropped out or pulled out. But like any good WWE wrestler, they never lie down and they're back. So I'd be interested <laughs> to see how they perform this year. You know what? It is like a WD, WWE story, isn't it? Because they it sort is. of came in with a bang and, oh my God, and I'd vanished. And then they are returning. So, so yeah. Have uh, you got any intel, Sal? Or is, is that not yet to be revealed? Not yet. Not yet. I'm sure if I know one of the TMS commentators used to play for them, Atif Nawaz, I think his name is. I'm sure if he's still playing for them now, but I know he's played for them in the past. So if he's playing, it'll be because someone we've maybe got in the pod one day. So he's uh, done a lot of work over the winter with England. Mm. On. Yeah, so he's interesting. And we've got one, actually, we were going to come to it with Dan and Eugene about us. So and May the 6th is the, is it the King's Coronation? Is that correct? First I think it is. Yeah. yeah. Of the season. I mean, what would the Kings be? Will they be playing cricket? Or will they be helping out with duties on that day with the King? Well, it's not if, not to the King to recognise that he needs to get involved with his reasonably local cricket league. So is Buckingham Palace in Middlesex? I mean, make sure they've is, got quite it? a nice ground playing there. Not, I think the tea would be nice there. I might try and get a gig there too if there's one going on there. Now you are talking, sir. I like that. Yeah. So the Kingsmen are in. Yeah. Yes. And they'll be making their debut, we think, on the day of King Charles III's coronation. To, to stress, the league have been quite concerned about fixture dates because it, it isn't easy to plan these things at the best of times. But from what we understand, it is definitely the 6th of May that we start. And the reason it's not been pushed back a week is simply to do with getting grounds at the end of the season. That's getting harder and harder for a significant number of teams, particularly teams at the lower end of the pyramid there because because they share with football and rugby and everything else so the fixtures are most definitely set out for for the 6th of may and that's quite good for the kingsman you're right i also like the london desperado again another one i don't suppose we know anything about those guys no not at all yeah what we've talked about over we'll be interested in where they play their games because we do know there's a lack of well not say lack there's yeah, just a lot of teams wanting to play isn't it? a lot of teams want to play cricket and there's probably not enough pitches to go around so obviously newham will be playing I imagine East London Essex kind of area, but where will the rest of these sort of clubs be located in terms of where they play their matches? I know Tamworth United already in, in the league from last season, so they should be okay, and Bahani, but the new clubs that would join, it'd be interesting to see where they play their matches. I mean, I was going to bring up the question as to, it's great to see, first of all, so many new teams joining our league and it's getting bigger and bigger. I think at last count, we had around 70 clubs, so it must be getting close to the 80 now, the 80 mark. But what's the process for joining? Because I'm guessing that when somebody requests to join the Middlesex County Cricket League. There's got to be like a, do you have a ground and all of that sort of stuff. So any of you guys can provide some insights into that? Well, I think that's a simple question that might well have an array of answers actually used. I mean, first of all, there are 78 teams that play first 11 cricket. And when you remember, there are quite a lot of teams that play not just third 11, fourth 11, but fifth 11 cricket and sometimes sixth 11 cricket. Then there is a stupendous amount of cricket that gets played in Middlesex. And when you come from a backwater like I do, if a club had a third 11 huge back in the day, they were massive. They were huge. And whereas now, if you only have three teams and you're a, a, an established club, then you're pretty small. So, so it's just a lot of cricket going on. In terms of getting into the league, I, I don't know what the formal process is. I suspect you get in touch with the league, sec uh, league secretary or maybe the league chairman, but certainly you'll get in touch with one of the officers and it'll go through the management committee and you will explain what your team is, I expect they'll ask you where you're, and I expect there'll be a load of other pretty basic fundamental questions about what your plans are. For example, where can you play 18 games on consecutive Saturdays between 6th and May? Stuff like that. If you can only get a ground for five weeks in a season, then I think it would be a problem. But in terms of the formal process, I'll be honest, I don't know. I think obviously the higher you go up the league, so once you've been let in, then things change a little bit. There are uh, sets of criteria, there are facilities checks and the league is discussing what they should look like now and certainly the, the, there's a group 
within the within the league, and, and I'm part of that group, that, that talk about what we should and shouldn't demand of clubs at certain levels, what, the balance between trying to encourage as much participation as possible, but also making sure that we participate in the right way, that the facility is not dangerous, that there's enough facilities for people to feel it's a social environment as well, rather than just a field with a load of grass. So I think as you go up through the league, the discussions actually get probably much more tricky than the ones Nick Brown has, where I, I suspect he probably gets a phone call and he says, put it in writing. I'll put it to the league committee. And as long as you don't say anything completely ridiculous, you've got a fair chance of being taken seriously. I'm quite happy for Nick to tell us I'm wrong, but that's my assumption on this. I mean, Sal, have you had any experience of this stuff? No, but I mean, I know some of these clubs in the past who join the league play Sunday cricket. So there are so many Sunday leagues that take place during the season throughout the whole of Middlesex and just on the outskirts. And these, tend to, these clubs sort of tend to originate from Sunday cricket. And then they sort of think about, okay, can we play Saturday? Is there enough availability, is there enough demand? And then moving to Saturday Cruz. So I'm not, I've just looked at Newham's website, actually. I've looked at Newham, they call it again, Newham, Newham Gladiators. Yeah. How can you forget that name? Yeah. So, oh, yeah, apologies. So I looked on their website just now, and they've, they've actually played last season in the Sunday League. So maybe that's one of the things the league looks for as well. Have you got history of playing in the past in other leagues, maybe on other days? And that seems to be the case with these guys. So that's helped in that regard. But yeah, all the points you made earlier on seem to be sort of, you know, the kind yeah. of things you have to But if you go on the, the web pages of the sides in Division 7, then you get quite an array of different types of answers. And I'm looking at the London Desperados now, and they've got a cricket contact, they've got their first 11 captain, they've got all their officials, all the contact details on there. Someone has clearly given Paul Smith quite a lot of information. But if you go on, on, on other sides, then you get effectively nothing. Now that information may well come. But, but certainly I think, I mean, Kingsman's a good example. There's a play cricket site for Kingsman, which means they're, they're registered with ECB. And I think all clubs will have had to have done that. There's nothing else. Now that, that will probably come. But at the moment, I suspect the league know precious little about, about each of these sides. And they'll find out as and when the days get a bit longer and May comes. I mean, one, one thing credit to the league for being so open and, you know, in new sort of clubs into the structure. It does obviously mean more workload for our committee, but I think we've got to applaud them for the fact that this league is ever expanding and who knows next season how many divisions we'll have. Which is, you know, just good because the more people playing cricket, recreationally. Yeah. Classic challenge though. The more people to get involved, the more things that need to be done, and particularly in cricket, it's not an easy game to organise, then the more you demand are the people who give up their time for, for effectively nothing. And the league committee there, people need to remember that when they start moaning about all the things that are apparently going wrong because there's a lot of stuff to be organised and those guys have put themselves forward to do it. So, Cool. Um, folks, anything else you want to throw in? I don't want to keep keep folks here for hours and hours. We all need our beauty sleep. But Sal, anything at your end? Are you coming yeah. across over the winter? It was actually some sad news from North London, actually. Uh, our president, Bernie Andrews, actually passed away on Christmas Day. Now, everyone has their stall, don't they? He was actually our president of our club. Yeah, every club has their stall. Everyone has their figurehead. The person who's been there for decades and been through all the you know, sort of tough times and made things better for their clubs. And Bernie was that person. He had a long history of the club. So then if you offer 11 and 4 at Fern Park, which is literally a stone's throw away from my main ground. And that was actually a separate group club years back. And it was called Fern Park Group Club. And it's where Bernie played. And he was actually instrumental in merging the North London and Fern Park together. So now that's our second ground, which is a luxury that we're really sort of, you know, quite fortunate to have. And again, massive in terms of getting the juniors playing. His two boys, I mean, when I joined the club you know, over 20 years ago, Gareth, Gareth was a captain of the first team, fantastic player. Collins, our son, also played as well. And he was just that one person in the club that whenever he called you or got in touch with you and wanted something done, you would do it. There's always someone in that club you always just sort of listen to and bow down to. And he's had a massive effect. And 
so many members throughout the years of his time there. A lot of the players who play in the senior clubs, senior sides now, played with him or he's helped him in some way or another. He made sure whenever he captained, he, he played low down the levels like fourth and fifth, but whenever he captained the side, if you had seven players on the Thursday, by Saturday you had 11 players. He just had one of them people had a knack of talking to people and then getting them to get involved and help out. And even up to before his passing, he wasn't too well. He'd actually moved out of London. He was still coming down during the summer and cricket was North London was his life and we're really going to miss him so um, oh, well, sorry to hear that Sam that's yes, I mean sad thing. you're spot on every club has these individuals and they do things behind the scenes that make clubs work so yeah f- funeral next week I guess or don't exact dates yet but um, yeah I mean I mean it'll be so well attended because as I said so many members throughout the years past and present who owe a lot to him and will remember him fondly so that's going to be quite a sort of fit to send off and be a sad day but as I said everyone remembers it in a real positive way and sure that we recognize on the day itself yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. At your end, you've been a bit under the weather, I know, with COVID and stuff, but is there much more that you wanted to fling in at this late staying? No, no. All good. Thank you. I'm just, yeah, as I said, looking forward to seeing everyone come the warmer months. So, yeah, looking, for, wishing winter away. Yep. And of course, Winter Net's going to be starting for many clubs quite soon. Go well, folks. Remember, it comes on like a rocket in those Winter Nets. It will, I don't care which club you play for, it will not be like that when you get outside in April. But just imagine you're batting at Bridgetown when you go into those nets because it's probably the only chance many of us would ever have. So, so enjoy those Winter Nets if you're having them and if you're involved in those things. Um, as Sal and you said before, we're always open for comments and questions of the things that we might want to talk about through these winter months. And we'll probably be back, I think, in about three weeks for the second second pod in Series 4. So until then, go well. See everyone soon. Thank you, boys. Just then. Cheers, folks.